Hello everyone, welcome to episode 1005 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. Cold Waves 10 is the biggest show yet, taking place September 22nd through the 25th at Metro, Smart Bar, Riviera Theater, and La Nocturne. Cold Waves is a celebration of Chicago's relationship with industrial music, the memory of a fallen brother, and a fundraiser for Darkest Before Dawn, a nonprofit providing resources and support for workers in the nightlife industry. For more information, including the full lineup and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. This week, we are chatting with Saturday Metro opener and Sunday La Nocturne performer, Brian Black. This is Halo Black. Yeah. <laughs> 
performing double duty this year but i'm gonna start with halo black sure as i remember and and we're going way back to when i was i think 15 16 years old um tension filter was was one of the earliest things that came out on fifth column tell me about finding fifth column or jared finding you in in those early days back in the mid 90s i was watching mtv 120 minutes and i i saw a clip of uh chem lab I think they showed, they showed maybe the whole video or half of the video. Uh, Filament was one of my favorite songs from their first demo. I didn't even think they had a record out. Then EP out at the time. And they managed to get a video on MTV, 120 minutes. I saw that and then I immediately sent my demo to the address in New York, which turned out to be Jared's address. So I started a rapport with uh, Jared. It was the second demo that that really locked things in. I had a song called uh, Deep Into the Holes of My Soul, which he really um, connected with. And then that's when he decided, you know, we should do a record together. Yeah, and that's kind of how I got into Fifth Column Records. At some point here, you start working for Prince. Is that before you started doing Halo Black or after or somewhere in the middle? Uh, it was between the first and second record. It was, I was actually doing a record with a band called Hellbent, which was, again, Chem Lab and 16 Volt and uh, Charles Levi from Thrill Cult. We started this project between my first and second Halo Black records. And I was doing Halo Black shows around Minneapolis, and um, they asked me to perform as Halo Black at Isley Park Studios. Once in a while, they used to do little parties out there. So I, I did that. We did the show, and then... Um, you know, next day I got a call. I wanted to work at the um, work work with the band, basically uh, Prince's band at Paisley Park Studios, with uh, regards to samplers and keyboards and all that stuff. I jumped right in, of course. I mean, that I still think that's so insane. I don't know if you still think that's completely insane, but <laughs> and I'm sure you've told the, the story many times. But I just I, I just think that's one of the coolest things ever. Do you have any other like uh, memories of that? Well, I, I guess the thing I took away from it was Prince's work ethic was it just blew me away because I was um, I was on call 24-7. I had a pager. You know, our day would start around 10, 11 a.m. Band would rehearse. And then after that, maybe have lunch and then they'd be in the studio to be recording something. And then Prince would be shooting a video in the afternoon. And then randomly we would have these 2 a.m. concerts on a weekday and uh, there'd be like 20 people there and Prince would play for like three hours or whatever. These, you know, crazy shows for like just a few local people who are lucky to, to get dragged in. It felt like about a 20-hour day. I don't know, he must have slept four hours and maybe he took, a, he took a nap somewhere during the day, but 
his work ethic was, it was pretty in, intense and he he was just only doing it because he felt like he had to get all this out of his system these videos these songs he wanted the band to be completely tight every song had to be performed live that's why i was hired because i had to take all the sounds from the original songs from the one inch or two inch tape and map out the samples onto the keyboard so he and his band could trigger these samples live to recreate these songs live without any back tape or anything like that so that's kind of what my role was when i started he had like um what do you call those guitars it was like a <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he had some of those so i had to, i worked on those and then quite often during the show he would walk on his keyboards and break keys would break and i would have to swap out the keyboard during the, the show and i'd have a spare you know usually in the basement uh, we had a bunch of spares or whatever so i ended up fixing the keyboard during the shows and then and then when i wasn't doing the shows i was um sampling and mapping out sounds and things like this it was it was a lot of work but it taught me a lot about his work ethic and also i learned a lot about how to use all these um I, at the time i was self-taught so i learned more intricately how to use uh, midi samplers and hardware software and how to wire everything and how everything communicates and stuff like that so yeah i really learned a lot from that experience so then funky hell comes out next yeah and then fifth column kind of fell apart so and, and then it seemed like there was a, a hiatus for you after that yeah at least from a halo black perspective did the label falling apart have anything to do with you taking a break or, or was it just a coincidence and, and you were ready to move on to the next thing at that point? Honestly, because I, I felt like that record, I mean, even to this day, I, I regard it as my best record. Like I made I made this record. It was like for the kind of like a peak moment. Yes, I achieved this record, you know, got really good reviews and everyone. And I just and then you know the label falling apart and then you know being in a van around the going around the country doing shows for like 20 dollars and being mountains of debt and it, it was really demoralizing i guess and then at that time uh my girlfriend's like let's move to london and uh i kind of just thought i'm going to move to england and i'm going to i'm going to get rid of the guitars and i'm just going to make techno punk or whatever i'm going to go back to get rid of the band because it was always like you know, all these instruments and these bands and yet it's just like it was such it was so much work to put on a show and i wanted to strip it down and uh yeah after the second record i i kind of changed my mind and, and i moved to london started over with a pure electronic sound and then i naturally i just progressed back to where i started now i'm pretty much doing industrial i'm doing live music again so yeah it all came full circle but it was a shame because yeah, Funky Hell was was my best record, and I never got to tour it. Fifth Column fell apart, but I'm glad people are rediscovering it now because I still regard it as my best record. Yeah, I mean, even just within the small scene, I feel like there's so many stories of of bands putting out really great or or important works, and just with a, a no label support or you know whether it's Sixteen Vol with Super Cool Nothing or the Clay People self titled or you know anything acumen did ever it's it's like everyone seemed to have such good stuff and it just the people who knew it knew it and and no one else knew it because you know the labels just couldn't couldn't promote it yeah i mean i did a show at south by southwest around that time and uh, someone at atlantic records saw the show and they're like 
they thought we were the Bauhaus, the new Bauhaus, and they're like, we're going to sign you and everything. I thought that was the big break, and you know, that's what you kind of need in those days. You need to get a break like that, and that that fell through, and they ended up signing Monster Voodoo Machine instead. So it's like it, it was definitely, um, you know, it, there were moments where I thought, okay, this is going to happen, and then when you're poor and you're on tour and you have no money for gas and you're stranded in somewhere in the middle of it. Um, it's, it, it was hard, but, um, but we, we, you know, we, we, we made the most of it, I guess. So then I, I, it, it looks like in 2004, you put Throb out. So that was about an eight year hiatus and, and you hooked up with the Armalite guys over in the UK. Tell me about deciding to come back for that. So Giles from Armalite, I kind of credit him for that record. He kind of like pushed me to, to do another record. So I was in London and I was doing doing uh, Motor at the time. And I was on Mute Records. And I, I, I didn't understand why I would go from doing a, being on Mute Records and doing this stuff with Depeche Mode to going back to my old industrial band. But I realized um, of all the projects I had, the Halo Black stuff was was the most timeless and like real, it would, it just felt authentic and real. And I decided to revisit it and using the tools I had learned, I uh, started working with other singers for the first time. So I had female vocals and I still had the guitars uh, from Craig from Chem Lab. A lot of trip hop beats and uh, different flavors and uh, ended up making a pretty cool record in the middle when I was not even uh, in the industrial scene, but I, I managed to make another Halo Black record. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. And um, a lot of people like that one the most, but I, I still <laughs> like Funky Hill. But for, as a production wise, and, and uh, it it's pretty amazing that, that how that record turned out, yeah.
I saw you you put on your Bandcamp page the concrete release, sort of like as a as a best of album, uh, and some earlier stuff and some unreleased things like the theme from Fat Albert, which <laughs> is amazing. Do you feel like you have more new Halo Black in the future, or are you happy with you know what what you put out? The concrete record was me for the first time after I, I looked back at the project. I wouldn't listen to Halo Black for about ten years, or it was afraid to listen to it or whatever and i went back to it during covid because i've nothing had nothing else to do and i I decided to go back and revisit all the music i made up until then and hail black stuff was the one that had made the most lasting impression and i decided i'm gonna kind of close this chapter with style i'm gonna make an album i'm gonna resequence an album the way i to make the best record so i chose all my favorite songs put them in the order and then i put it on vinyl for the first time and I just wanted to have a really well-designed, a real beautiful package just to like give Halo Black what it never had, what it deserved, this level of um, perfection or whatever. And I just wanted to present Halo Black again. And that's why I did Concrete. So yeah, I mean, I, I, if anything, instead of, I'm not really focused on making new Halo Black, but what I'm doing now is Black Asteroid is, is now taking on a lot of the Halo Black qualities you know it's like i'm doing live vocals now and i even have got guitars on my next ep i have vocals from frontline assembly and all all these things all these things i would have wanted to do with halo black i'm kind of making happen now with black asteroid so i kind of see it as the same always trying to make the perfect industrial techno dub ambient record and it's whether it's halo black or black asteroids it's coming from the same place Let's switch gears and and go back to the beginning of Black Asteroid. You were done with Halo Black and you're in the UK and your group called Motor for a little bit. So tell me, tell me about what led to the the creation of Black Asteroid at the beginning. I guess I was born out of frustration. My partner and I, who I did Motor with, we had just done our fourth record. We kind of had a disagreement about the sound of the band. I was like, we just had gotten off tour with Depeche Mode, and I asked Martin Gore to do vocals on, on our record. And I thought, this is amazing, got Depeche Mode. And then we got Gary Newman to do a song, and all these people were, were collaborating with us on this record, but um, it was a little bit of a departure from how we started making more or less instrumental techno punk. Motor was becoming more commercial, and we disagreed on the direction of the band. So we kind of just took a year off to do solar projects and then my head into black asteroid and it just it kind of took off right away because it was just giving techno a real you know kick in the teeth it was like um, industrial techno when techno was really deep and boring immediately people gravitated towards it and i i kept going because it was just me alone and i can do whatever i want and there was no compromise and uh, i also discovered that you can dj and get paid more than being in a band with a drum kit and guitar amps and all that stuff. So it kind of really opened my eyes and I, yeah, I've been doing that for over 10 years now. But now, now I miss the, the live stuff again. So it just goes full circle again. When you're doing Black Asteroid shows, is it is it majoritively other people's stuff? Are you, are you throwing in your own stuff? Are you throwing in classic Halo Black in there? Like what, what's a typical set list for you? Do you have to cater it to, to the crowd or, or the, the location you're in? 
normally I'm playing in a nightclub, so I'm, I'm playing. I'm going to be playing mostly four four techno around a certain BPM. But no, I mean I at least I guess always I've always mixed in. Like I, I mix in. Um, uh, last time I played, I played uh, playing all these Nine Inch Nails remixes, and I played lots of Nitz rap stuff, Ministry edits. So I'm I'm always trying to throw in as much as I can that would that fits and. Um, now I'm doing, I'm, I've just started doing live vocals during my DJ sets. I've missed that live danger element uh, of a live performer in DJing. So that's why I've, I've pulled out people like from Cold Cave, people that come out and perform with me. And um, so my mission now is to bring that, that live element of danger to techno and, and, and see if I can make it work because it gets boring after a while just DJing. Yeah. And I, I, I want to be someone who's going to sort of bring something different. Anyone can play, you know, bangers off a USB stick. Anyone can play techno jams or whatever. But a few people can engage with the crowd and, and scare, not scare people, but add, add an element of unpredictability. And so I'm, I'm trying to find this fine line now between live performance and DJing and uh, kind of an ongoing thing, but I've started it since... I've been doing Halo Black again. It's kind of real opened me up. Pre-COVID, it looked like you know you were you were really traveling around the world, you know, doing your Black Asteroid sets everywhere. And then you know, once COVID hits and everyone is stuck at home, I'm I'm sure that was torture for you as it was for everyone else. So, you know, now that things have opened up again, what what are you trying to to get out and do? You know, over the next year or two. I'm at a point in my career where I just don't care about popularity contests or like trying to be like everyone else. I'm, I'm going into everything now with a different attitude where I'm, I'm going back to, you know, how I started, which was just like a really just raw kind of punk energy. Yeah. I'm just trying to not follow any rules and to see what I can get away with now. Cause I'm, I'm kind of established in this techno industry, techno club life. I'm kind of established in this circuit. Yeah. I'm just going to go full on now and see how far I can push it towards life um without losing the you know the core techno uh, pulse or whatever whatever it is i have to so that's kind of my mission now i'm, I'm just trying to blur the lines between halo black and black house right i'm just trying to pursue what i would have would have done in the beginning did i uh, miss anything that you wanted to mention or promote or talk about sure i mean i have a new ep called flesh coming out i think in may or june and it's like we were speaking about, it's really heavy and experimental and I have vocals from Frontline Assembly, from myself and others, and it's got guitars. Gino from Filter does guitar work on it. It's just a prime example of what I'm, where I'm going now. Halo Black has found its way inside of Black Ash right now. And so I'm just, I'm just running with it. So that's coming out in May or June. Yeah, that's like my next uh, release. So that's, that's what I'm focused on now.
On this episode, you heard Nympho and Decay by Halo Black and New Flesh by Black Asteroid. Halo Black can be found at haloblack.bandcamp.com. Black Asteroid can be found at facebook.com slash blackasteroid. Our opening music is Euthanasia by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Black Blake. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, Jamie Duffy. Here is Brian again sharing his memories of Jamie. He was such a sweetheart. I mean, I, I remember going to Chicago and uh, trying to make some music with Charles Levi. And he, he was just like, he just made it happen. He got me a studio and he got older Charles. And it was just like this, this kid that was just so honest. He just wanted to help people. He was always just there. One thing I remember with Jamie, was just he just was always working and smiling and just getting things done. And he wasn't very, he wasn't selfish at all. I really miss, yeah, I miss that spirit.